0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. We're going to go to Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, We're going to read 14 verses there together in Luke chapter 7. If we haven't met before, my name's Ryan, so glad that you've, you've made it to church uh, today. So glad that you've taken the time if you're uh, part of online uh, that, that you've taken the time to be part of it today. Luke chapter 7, we're going to start reading at verse 36. Luke seven, thirty six. 36. Someday for one day, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's a better day than you're letting on. That's okay. No, it's a great day outside. Really, really uh, looking forward to getting out with the word in our hearts, having spent time with God. And enjoying the sunshine. Luke 7, verse 36. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus, everybody say, invited Jesus. Love that. Love that. Great attitude. Invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which will love him more? Simon replied, I I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, you've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman, said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I wonder if, uh, if you've ever been where I've been in a, in a tricky uh, or should I say sticky situation. I remember uh, 13 years old, time and time again on Saturday mornings. Now I know some people, some people have been there. Some people maybe uh, I'm going to learn something about you. Uh, Would have went and played uh, football matches for my little football team. And uh, if it was a nine o'clock kickoff, I'd have had to be at Orangefield pitches for like 10 to eight. And so I stumbled my way out of my house, ran down, tried to be there, ran down the railings, tried to get there on time. Got into uh one of the guy's cars who was going to drive and we would have all been stacked into this car like a can of sardines. In a way, we would have went away somewhere to, where, where to play a football match or whatever. Now, today, you don't have the same problem because you're not allowed to share cars and you have to wear masks. So what I'm about to tell you, uh, bear in mind today probably isn't the same way, but some of us will know this feeling. I remember we'd have sat in, let's call him Roger, just in case you're online today, buddy, sorry. Uh, we, uh, we'd have sat in a Roger's car and I would have been sitting there thinking, There's a funny old smell in this thing. Hmm. My little 13-year-old brain would have been working overtime wondering, what is the smell in here? Goodness gracious me. That smells like there's somebody in the boot here. My goodness. I'd have been thinking it through and trying to work it out. Then I would have got out of the car, you guys. And uh, this whole journey I've been wondering, something smells wrong. What is it? And I would have got out of the car and I would have quickly realized upon reflection of the sole of my shoe, that something does indeed smell wrong. See, as I stumbled my way down Clearwood Park and began to run down those railings at 10 to 8 with sleep still in my eyes, just about having my, my boots in my bag, feeling like I've slept for 45 minutes all night, yes, a little furry four-legged friend had done the deed and I had trampled all over it. And now the deed, forgive me, I am disgusted at myself as I share was now on the bottom of my foot, but no longer was it just on the bottom of my shoe. It was now on the floor of old Roger's car. And old Roger later, when he sees what's on the bottom of his car as he suspects the smell, is gonna calculate that it was indeed me sitting in the back corner, that it was indeed me that ruined the floor of his car and was, will indeed come later on to my house and make me clean it up. Now, that whole time I tell that story to tell you that that whole time I sat in the back of old Roger's car thinking something smells wrong. Something doesn't smell right here. Something's not right here, Roger. What's going on in the car? You need to get yourself an air freshener. You need to work something out. We read some verses and we deduce from these verses that not a physical smell, but an environmental, a sense, an instinct was taking place around this table of something didn't smell quite right. There was Pharisees around the table, Jesus having been invited into this party, invited to this table, invited to this meal, One of, some of these Pharisees began to sense in their thoughts, not with their words quite yet, something smells wrong. Something smell right here. Jesus, aware of their thoughts, then begins to unpack it and begins to teach from their thoughts. Allow me to set a cultural scene for a moment. Here is this Pharisee inviting Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher of the law, the one who's causing a fuss everywhere he goes, upsetting the normalcy of towns and villages he steps into. Simon, along with his Pharisee friends, has brought Jesus to his house for an evening of dinner, conversation being theological, talking about all things Torah, the law of Moses, the prophets of long ago. And at a point in this dinner, they begin to sense that something is wrong because there is the presence of a woman, who's beginning to upset, upset the environment, a woman who, quite frankly, in these moments, doesn't seem to belong in this setting. See, as we open our Bibles, Pharisees, often they get a bad reputation from you and I because of their quick-to-judge mentality, their self-righteous mentality. And so often, you and I aren't wrong as we give them a bad reputation. But let's bear in mind and balance it off this morning, this afternoon with this understanding that these, these men around this table were zealous for God. They were zealous to uh, uphold the law. They were zealous to live by the Torah. They were zealous for the sacrificial system. They did want to honor God in their known way. And Jesus, this at, at very least prophet to these men, but at very most the Son of God, who he was claiming to be the Messiah who was to come to redeem the people of Israel, at very most was beginning to shift their thoughts in ways in which they weren't comfortable with. He was beginning to cause them to ask questions that perhaps you and I would ask ourselves. Perhaps you've asked a number of times recently. I know for me that I ask it regularly. One of the questions, no doubt, that they were asking, if this was indeed Jesus the Messiah, they would be asking this question, well, what does God care about? Why would they be asking this? Well, if Jesus really was the son of God, the embodiment of God in the flesh, surely he would know that this woman is sinful and shouldn't be in his presence. And so as a result, posing the question, what does God care about? I pose that question to you this morning. What does God care about? I believe in these verses that we find some of the answers, not an extensive list, not an exclusive list but a list that does affect you and I as we open the Bible and we understand what's going on in this setting. First thing I want to show you in these verses is that God cares about your heart. Jesus shows us because, and I'll use Jesus and God interchangeably because Jesus is God in the flesh. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the the visible image, easy for me to say, of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, which simply means that as we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how we see Jesus live shows us what God values, shows us God's priorities, shows us what God cares about. The first thing that we see in these verses is that God cares about your heart. God cares about your heart. Your heart. I posed the question to you a little bit this morning, and how is your heart? God cares about your heart. Simon, in moments with Jesus, the physical, fleshy man of God, senses that something smells wrong. Jesus then begins to unpack this story about debt. One owes 500, one owes 50. Who, 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 who's going to love him more? And obviously, Simon walks himself right into the trap and says, The one who's been forgiven more will love more. Jesus, absolutely. And then begins to explain how this woman began to honor Jesus in a way. In which he was dishonored. She she wet his feet with her tears, wiped his feet with her hair, kissed his feet, and has not stopped doing so, pouring perfume and a much more expensive item on her feet. Then he forgives her of her sin. Why why does this all take place? This is all, as we look at it in 2021, can even make us feel a little bit weird, a little bit strange, a little bit uncomfortable as we overemphasize the word feet in scripture. We're kind of going, what is actually going on here? If you're new to church, you're watching online, you're considering, what is happening? See, the custom of the day was that, remember what I got you to repeat just a few moments ago? Jesus was invited. He was invited. And yet the customs of the day would be that, essentially, as you enter a home, you would have had your feet washed by a person's sleeve and the lowest form of their sleeve in order to keep your feet clean. Because the roads were dusty, the shoes were leather pierced together, you also would have been gre- greeted with a double kiss, cheek and cheek. Because of the temperature and the dirt in this context, in this place, would, you would have had some oil to run through your hair to loosen it. Then you would have been shown to the seat that you were to be sat at as a guest. And at that point reclined with your feet on the table after being honoured upon Arrival. It wasn't special etiquette that Jesus expected. It was cultural etiquette, which was normal. This was the normal thing to do. Yet Jesus was invited to this dinner. He was invited to this party, yet he was dishonored upon entering. See, the way it would have been as Jesus, the guest of honor, is that he would have been brought in and the people would have already been sat there waiting. They, were, they wouldn't have had Jesus waiting for them, but Jesus, they were waiting upon Jesus because he was the guest of honor. And so Simon the Pharisee in these moments, it was his house, we believe. Uh, his, he, as Jesus came in, what would have been happening was all of these people would have been sitting watching Jesus being publicly dishonored because the cultural etiquette was that these things would have taken place in order to welcome a normal guest into a home, at least a guest of honor. And so he was publicly dishonored. See, it is possible for you to invite Jesus into your life, yet not honor him with your life. Forty years ago, you could have prayed a prayer, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in this day, come in my heart, Lord Jesus. And no doubt, in a simple act of faith, Jesus would have entered into your heart. But it is possible to invite Jesus into your heart. It is possible to invite him into your life, and yet not honor him with it. See, 40 years later, I guess I would pose the question. Four months later, I would pose the question. Four weeks later, I would pose the question. Four years later, I would pose the question. Four seconds later, I would pose the question. You might have invited him into your heart. Does he still have your heart? God cares about your heart. Simon was more concerned about this woman's sin. And Jesus was concerned about her heart. See, there was was two attitudes at war in the room. There was... There was two spirits at war in the room, the spirit of a prophecy and the spirit of Jesus. A Pharisee is, or the spirit of a Pharisee, not a prophecy. A Pharisee is someone who monitors the sins of others while justifying the actions of self. Jesus wasn't so concerned about her behavior. About her behavior. They were concerned about her sin. Jesus was concerned about her heart. See, these people chose to dishonor Jesus. They were the men of God of the day and yet they still dishonored dishonor Jesus. Whereas this woman, she lived a sinful life. She was very unwelcome in this setting yet she was the most at peace person in the room because her heart was for Jesus. She wanted Jesus' heart. See, God isn't so concerned with your appearance as you are. I love church. I love being in this in this building on Sundays and gathering together. I love connect groups. I love how the church outworks itself. But God is less concerned about your attendance than he is about your heart. I believe in giving, giving of ourselves to God, physically giving of ourselves to God, financially giving of ourselves to God in our energy. But God is less concerned about those things than he is about your heart. God cares about your heart. When he doesn't have your heart, we can overcompensate with our appearance, with looking the part, with our knowledge, talking the part, with our good works, doing the part. We can overcompensate. But the reality of it is, is God cares about your heart. Consider this woman's heart. She wet the feet of Jesus with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair. She kissed his feet and the Bible says has not stopped doing so. She poured perfume and a much more expensive item on his feet. These, these people were Pharisees, experts in the law. They knew the law. Another expert in the law we see in Luke 10 tries to challenge Jesus. And he said, what is the, hey, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus responds in Luke 10, 26 and 27. What's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So Interesting love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself they they knew the law their heads, but they didn't live it with their hearts. They didn't live it in reality. They were inviting Jesus. They were inviting God in the flesh into their homes, knowing what the greatest commandment was, yet dishonoring and disrespecting him. It is possible to invite Jesus into your life, yet not honor him with your life. What does God care about today? God cares about your heart. See, your heart informs your life. The second thing I want to show you in these verses is that God cares about your worship. See, the attitude of a Pharisee is we begin to judge others by their actions whilst justifying ourselves by our intentions. It's easy to do that, isn't it? Take an out of context person and what they've just did, their action, and we picture frame it, put it on the wall, and that's how we know them from now on. Meanwhile, all the while justifying ourselves by what we tried to do, what we intended to do. See, Jesus Jesus doesn't judge based upon those things. These men of God weren't in the restoring, they were in the rejection. But thankfully, Jesus is in the redemption. This woman's very act was an act of worship. She was honoring Jesus in her way, a different way, a unique way, in a culturally probably misunderstood way, but from her heart. She was choosing to worship Jesus. I want us for a minute to consider the very first time we see in scripture worship. Go to Genesis 22. It's going to be on the screen one to five. It's Abraham and Isaac. You, you might know, you might be aware of the account, but I want us to pick up on the words that are used. I want you to engage your mind in the words that are used and how you have a framework for worship in your mind already. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'll show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we'll come back right back here. We will worship there. It's interesting that Abraham said, we're gonna go worship there. When God, I don't know if we were reading the same thing there, but God had spoke to Abraham and told him to go sacrifice. And yet Abraham, seen it as worship, First time we see through scripture worship isn't, as we joked in the 10 a.m. service, wasn't, Abraham, sing us these are the days of Elijah, will you? Right? Wasn't singing, wasn't clapping, wasn't bowing, wasn't jumping and wasn't dancing, of which I am huge advocates for all of those things. But yet the first framework we see, the first understanding we see of worship is sacrifice, what does God care about? God cares about your worship. See, we see a correlation here in Luke 7, 37. A woman in that town, as we read, lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Luke seven forty-six. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured, not a little bit of drop, not a, not a wee tiny bit, not a wee tiny glass, but she has poured perfume on my feet. See, an alabaster jar, both the container and the contents showed that this was an expensive gift she brought to honor Jesus. One writer says, it had no handles, was furnished with a long neck, was broken off when the contents were needed. We may fairly deduce that this perfume was costly. Interesting word. Jewish ladies commonly wore a perfume flask suspended from a cord around their neck and it was so much part of them that they were allowed to wear it on the Sabbath. This act of worship from this woman was both expensive, costly, and sacrificial. At the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. She chose to worship Jesus. How do we worship Jesus today? How do we worship God with our lives? What does that look like? Do you just want me to sing all the time? Or you want me to walk down the street clapping? Or what does that look like? Romans 12, one and two in the message says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. This is the encouraging part of these verses. God doesn't just expect you to worship him with your life. He doesn't just care about that. He's actually actually even gonna help you do that. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even recognizing. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Simon didn't worship Jesus as he entered the home. The Pharisees didn't worship Jesus as he entered the home, but this woman did. And as a result of her act of worship, as a result of her choosing to worship Jesus, she experienced the grace of God and the mercy of God. See, the grace of God is, is the unmerited favor of God. Mercy is getting what Jesus deserved whilst he took what we deserved. I don't know if maybe you've experienced the grace of God today. I think you have. But if you've experienced the grace of God, the, the thing to do with the grace of God is choose to worship God as a result of it. I don't know where you've come from today and what you've been through today and the experiences that you've had today. But by the grace of God, you are here today. And your result, in the, your, the product of that isn't happy-go-lucky, happy enough, you know, I'm settled here. But it is actually choosing to live a life of worship as a result of experiencing the grace of God I wonder if there's some people in the room who have experienced the grace of God. The result of that is to live a life of worship to God. 1 Corinthians 10:31 Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What does God care about? God cares about your worship. This woman chose to worship God. The final thing that we see in these verses is that God cares about your peace. God cares about your peace. Luke 7 verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. God cares about your peace. If you need peace, God wants to give you it. God cares about your peace. Have you got peace? God cares about your peace. This woman has just sat in an environment, a chaotic yet calm environment, a theological conversation, a complex conversation that was over her head in which she, her future, her life, what she, her past, everything about her was the object and the topic of this conversation. Yet in these moments, she experienced peace. Why? Because she was sat at the feet of Jesus. One scholar writes, the woman came to Jesus in complete humility with the attitude that she wasn't even worthy to be in his presence That was a good way for her to come to Jesus, but he didn't want her to stay there. He raised her up, acknowledged her love, forgave her sin, and sent her in peace. The word go was not a welcoming word. She liked being at the feet of Jesus, yet Jesus sweetened the go by adding in peace. She could go in peace because she heard from Jesus that her faith had saved her. It's interesting that. Firstly, she experienced peace At the feet of Jesus, the peace was so good that she wanted to stay at the feet of Jesus. But yet Jesus told her to go because she wasn't supposed to stay there. I wonder if you need peace today. Peace in your mind, peace in your circumstance, peace in your soul. This woman found herself in this chaotic yet calm moment and still found peace at the feet of Jesus. This woman found herself in a state of unforgiveness in such a way that led her to cry and at the feet of Jesus. Yet that's where she found eternal peace in the form of forgiveness. And I wonder today, if you need supernatural peace, it's found in the person of Jesus. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, for us, a child is born, a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I wonder today if you need an experience of circumstantial peace that comes through prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or perhaps you need to experience peace, which comes through salvation. You can experience being made right with God, Ephesians two fourteen. for he himself is our peace. Maybe you're saying, give my head peace. No, 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 no. You need, you're asking, give my head peace because you're, you're misunderstanding it. You won't, you won't find peace in this or that. You won't find peace in a bigger bank account. You won't find peace in a bottle. You won't find peace in a relationship with a person. You will find the ultimate source of peace in the form of the person of Jesus. He himself is our peace. who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. See, this woman, maybe you guys want to come and help us respond to God in worship. This woman experienced peace at the feet of Jesus and wanted to remain at the feet of Jesus because it's just so nice, isn't it? It's nice being in the presence of God. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice when you experience God. It's nice when you can enjoy God's presence and you find peace in those moments. It's nice, it's good. In some ways, it transcends understanding. Other words that you could use are beautiful, powerful, amazing, whatever synonym you wanna use, you can use. It is all of those things when you are found in the presence of God at the feet of Jesus, enjoying Him. But you get there so that you don't just stay there This woman was at the feet of Jesus enjoying peace that comes only from Jesus, yet he told her to go in peace. See, God absolutely cares about your heart. You can go with that confidence today. God cares about your worship, so you can worship and go with that confidence today. And God cares about your peace, so you can go, or in these moments you can supernaturally experience the peace of God. But you can go with the confidence that God wants you to know peace. But it doesn't just stay there, does it? Because for some reason, he wasn't content with this woman staying at his feet. She needed to go. See, the reason why God cares about your heart, your worship and your peace is because he also cares about your granny's heart. about your brother's worship about your neighbor's peace he also cares about the person across the street who moved ten months ago and you still haven't spoke to him he cares about their heart he cares about your daughter's worship he cares about your co-workers peace See, we get to the feet of Jesus, but we don't just stay at the feet of Jesus. We take what we've experienced in the presence of Jesus and we go with it. God cares about your heart, your worship, your peace, but He He cares about theirs. Now, allow me for a minute before we stand and we respond to God, allow me for a minute. Maybe all of us could play the game. We're gonna play a game. It's not really a game but it's the type of games that I enjoy playing. I want want you for a minute to think about the very first time you heard about Jesus in your recollection. Was it perhaps from your mother, your father? Was it perhaps on a Tuesday night in the 60s in Belfast City Mission? Uh, for me it was my mum but I also remember hearing it from another source at a Monday night meeting that I used to go to in the Gospel Hall in Clarewood Estate, East Belfast, and I only went because I wanted to win the pound. What about you? When was it and where was it? More importantly, who was it? Some of us will play the game because we enjoy playing the game. Some of us will do it because we want to honor those people and we want to think. Some of us will opt out of it and you do you. But the reason you heard was because somebody cho- chose to go they didn't have to necessarily go very far but they chose to go with what Jesus put in them see some wee man probably walked across the road to open the Belfast City Mission on a Tuesday night in 1961 and maybe that's where you're or 1951 and that's where your granny heard about Jesus or Perhaps it was that somebody got into their car and drove to a gospel hall in Clarewood Estate, and that's where I heard about Jesus. Or perhaps it was that somebody in your family chose to go to a wee shop where they could get themselves a Bible and they experienced Jesus in their living room and it was your great grandfather, and years later, here you are today. But nevertheless, you are here today by the grace of God. But because the grace of God compelled one person to go, you're here. So we take all of that and we know what God cares about. 110% cares about your heart, your worship and your peace. But it does not just stay with you. And if it does just stay with you, something smells wrong. But go with it. In Mark 16 verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This doesn't happen if we just stay at the feet of Jesus, we go with the heart of Jesus, have an the presence of Jesus, experiencing forgiveness that only comes through Jesus, experiencing the peace that comes from Jesus himself. And we go with it and we share it everywhere we go. How do I, how do, I do that? Let God work out the detail. Go from the presence of Jesus, full of the person of Jesus with your life, your dev- everyday, ordinary life let's stand together what does God care about today? He cares about your heart cares about your worship, cares about your peace and I don't want to just pass over those moments because I know that perhaps a supernatural transaction needs to take place in this room where some of us experience a touch in our heart from God, where some of us are lit on fire and worship for God, not just in these moments as we respond in our praise and in our worship but with our everyday ordinary life and some of us most certainly need to experience the peace of God So together we welcome him. Whatever way you want to do that, encourage us to begin to just open ourselves up to the presence of God, Holy Spirit. Help us be aware of what you're working out right now in our hearts and in our lives. We honor you. 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 you. Holy Spirit The peace of God Descend like a dove On some people In the room In the name of Jesus God I pray That you begin To touch hearts In the room In the name of Jesus We all pray Jesus Hi everyone Thanks for listening in On our Sunday podcasts Check us out On our Facebook Instagram At YouTube Belfast